Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison uh, with the Digital Education Podcast. And if you've been listening over the past few months, we've done a couple series. We did the uh, What's Next series about what's next, big picture questions about education and schooling. Then uh, we talked with school leaders about what are they thinking about differently as they get ready for the fall. And now I'm talking with those friends of mine who love teaching and learning the education stuff and are integrated in schools um, about what's one thing they need to stop doing as they prepare and as they think about the future of teaching and learning and education in their schools. And this was inspired by um, John Eckert's uh, blog in Edutopia a couple of years ago called The Know and Innovate. And in it, he says, we cannot do everything well. If we attempt to be all things to all people, we'll fail to do anything well. Therefore, school leaders should thoughtfully abandon those things that fail to serve students well, and even some things that would serve them well. And so I'm with Justin Smith of Little Rock Christian Academy, and he's become a great friend. Um, Justin, what's something that you're thinking about ending, stopping, you know, just kind of being done with so that then you can do better things? Well, Eric, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love the work that you're doing. Uh, I love engaging with you and others on topics of education, especially in the Christian context. And um, when you when you first posed this question to me, originally I went to the the practical. Well, we're going to stop shaking hands. We're going to stop hugging. We're going to stop touching doors. We're going to uh, stop serving food the way that we did before. Um, but if you know me, um, you know that I don't like to stay in the practical all that long. I love to elevate a little bit higher up in the air and think on the theoretical and the philosophical. And so my mind went to this, this place of we are going as a community of learners and educators, we are going to start saying no to the notion of wanting to return to normal. And what a missed opportunity it would be for us to have learned so much over the, the past 10 weeks about technology, leveraging technology, um, dealing with what's essential in in school and in classes, um, reorganizing our courses. What a missed opportunity it would be if we were just desiring to get back to normal. And so where that leads us to is this summer, uh, as, as we began, we formed several different committees. And the committee that I've been tasked with leading on our campus is the Teaching and Learning Committee. And so what that looks like is that all the divisional leaders and uh, a teacher representative from each division, our academic dean and our ed tech specialists have come together to really talk through what are we doing well, what are we not doing well um, from the technology side, what do we need to put in place for the fall, and how can we reorganize all of our courses so that we can be more flexible. And so instead of having this desire to just quickly get back to normal, what we want to do is hit the turbo boost and move to a better new normal. And so we want to make sure that we organize our courses in ways that will be a little bit more flexible because of the um, unpredictable unpredictable schedule, the unpredictable nature of what we're dealing with uh, in terms of the coronavirus, in terms of school and gatherings, and try to organize our classes in a way that if a student were ill, they would be able to continue to advance from home. If they, if the family felt um, uncomfortable with 
class size or sending kids to school, that they could continue working from home, or if the governor or the state officials say we're moving all schools to remote learning, we could then quickly and seamlessly transition from a face-to-face -face course to an online or remote setting. And so it's, it's causing our teachers and our, and our department leaders to really think through what is the right setup then? How do we organize the materials? How do we organize our objectives and our, um, our essential questions in a way that students can continue working uh, and advancing um, and, and, and deeply thinking about the topics in every course. So you know me and that I'm, um, I'm an enthusiast for Harkness, for student-centered discussions, um, for group work. I love that. And so initially I thought, oh, how are we going to do this? And so you can, we, our, our teachers continue to have Harkness discussions um, via Zoom which is great, but they found other techniques to use. Many more writing and discussion boards um, would still have the same essence or the same philosophy of students building off one another, building towards something um, in terms of their, um, their understanding of the material they're reading and, and studying. Um, and so we're making some pivots there with, with Harkness Learning and not losing that essential piece. Um, and then, what, and then if we do get a chance to, to come together, which we're planning fully on, on being together, but, but doing it differently, it's like taking that, that Harkness oval and expanding it out so that we can have socially distanced classrooms, um, but still being able to see eyeball to eyeball as we um, dive deeply into those discussions. So we're looking at all of our spaces uh, in, our, in our buildings, we're looking at all our classrooms and all of the furniture that we have. We're, we're, we're moving everything out um, so that we can um, really focus on just the essentials and, and keeping our kids safe while not losing the philosophy of education that we've come to uh, adopt here and, and champion on our campus. Well, let me ask a question like that, because I've been thinking a lot about this and I know we haven't, you know, talked about it and don't necessarily, you know, have the time here to go deeper in it. But to me, I've been thinking a lot about like the Harkness model and the Harkness method. It seems like it's, it's the best and easiest actually to transition to remote or to flexible or to do some of these things or, or the very, you know, kind of old traditional like lecture based is probably the other easiest way to go. But it seems to me like the most engaging, the most developed, like Harkness translates the best. What's something that you've discovered that it's like, you know what, here's something in, 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 in education or in our teaching and learning that still gets in the way of us doing this really, you know, significant work of, you know, the Harkness method, discussions, deep dives, you know, and then even the collaborative work that we do. Is there something that you're, that just popped up and said, hey, like we got to get rid of this and be done with it because it's the old normal and we got to create this new normal. That's a, that's a really good question. Let me think about how I, want, I would like to answer that. We may, we may rely heavily on the, the relational aspect of being together quite a bit and being in close knit quarters and rely heavily on um, maybe some of our more vocal students or the teacher who can do the song and dance uh, in front of the class, we may rely heavily on that in all schools, not just ours. And so I think that, it, that in this time, it causes our teachers to, to front load much more, um, to do all of the planning on the front end, to think through the questions, to even 
pose those questions maybe ahead of time um, to really orchestrate um, and think through the pitfalls of, of where the discussion might fall flat. And so it's, so it's causing our teachers, it will cause our teachers in the fall to really think through how can I uh, create an effective discussion or an, ex an effective space for discussion. And, and so I think that our teachers are going to have to be greater at design thinking, greater at crafting questions, greater at um, selecting um, texts that will lead to more discussion. And so I think that they just have to, all teachers have to just plan so much more on the front end. But that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's really what we want to, when we talk about not returning to normal, we don't want to rest on our laurels or rest on the fact that, hey, you know, I can, I can still get in front of, I've been teaching for 20 years and I can get in front of a class and, and, and really shoot from the hip because of, um, because of some of the obstacles that may be in place from some of the students not being on campus, but still tuning into class um, to then going fully remote learning. You can't just shoot from the hip. You can't just go from, um, from, from notes from previous years. You really have to think through, how am I gonna craft this period or this block of study for these students? Well, it even seems like, you know, just the whole idea of the role of the teacher goes from being a performer in some ways to to truly kind of going into that facilitation place right i mean and that's that's really what the ideal role of the teacher is even in that harkness model correct absolutely um moving moving more to to the idea of how can i be more useful to my students and so I remember um, when I worked in Houston and we were doing a lot of Harkness work with middle school kids, there was a, a really bright sixth grade student who said his favorite thing about Harkness was that it took the ceiling off of the questions that he could ask. And I think that what we're learning um, through these remote, uh, these remote learning opportunities, remote education, is that we can begin to tailor and, um, and, and, and provide unique lessons, unique assignments, unique, unique projects, um, instead of having a standardized um, assignment or flow. And, and I think that it allows teachers a little bit more freedom to, to lean into the student that needs either more scaffolding or support, or the student needs to be pushed to, uh, to think beyond um, their basic level of thinking. And so the philosophy of, of, of Harkness and the philosophy of um, this sort of project-based or learner-centered um, educational model is to begin to tailor assignments to best serve our students. And so I really think that what you're hitting on is instead of the teacher being the performer and checking the boxes to say, I taught that, we're moving more towards a teacher saying, what is the best question that I can ask in this moment that is going to lead to every student being able to think deeply about this topic? Justin, I always love these conversations with you. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I, I look forward to the many more interviews that you'll be doing on this topic and other topics.